Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining us from Florida, Miami, did you say, Christian? Miami it is. Miami. Miami. Is Christian, and don't let me screw up your last name. Say it for me once. Uh, Bacusis, which is why they call me Boo. Uh, Bacusis. And he goes by Boo. And this book is on time, on target. And you can see that there's a fighter jet there. And it's how teams and companies can cut through complexity and get things done the fighter pilot way. And if you haven't already probably figured it out, uh, Boo was a fighter pilot. So let me just tell you a bit about him. Um, He goes by Boo, and he's a world-class speaker with hundreds of reviews, uh, attesting to his life-changing insights. Uh, He ranked 4.9 out of 5, I'm one of the world's most impactful and results-oriented speakers. He walks his talk inside of organizations such as McDonald's, uh, Zurich, Pfizer, Microsoft, Space Savers, Woolworths, and a few of the other global leaders have experienced immediate and dramatic ongoing performance leaves thanks to his secrets to creating deep performance mindset, as he calls it. Um, he is... He reinvented himself numerous times by transforming the way of his thinking and working the acquired at, that he acquired as a fighter pilot to build a humanitarian business, turning over an excess of $200 million, million followed by developing a, public, a record-setting $42 million high-rise hotel, transformed an iconic publishing business into digital publishing powerhouse, and now works with iconic brands and people to implement their methods and drive habitual success. His unique performance mindset is fueled by deep curiosity around what makes him ticks as a human. The one thing we all have in common is irrespective of gender, rage, race, color, and creed, Boo connects with this as nice human performance and talks with us about our strengths and limitations and how to navigate toward a better life. Well, Boo, thanks for being on. Thanks for coming on and talking about this. this. is definitely a book that's focused on the personal growth mindset. Um, could you tell a story? You tell a story in the preface of the book about your experience in a fighter jet and was running out of fuel, and you were in bad weather. Um, and I remember this story distinctly. Can you tell the story and the lessons you learned in in the lesson you learned, you said was the fear of uncertainty is not a match for the Air Force's discipline process that you were taught. And I think that's where it really comes down to. You can be up there as a fighter pilot, but all of the training that you've had as a fighter pilot really prepare you so well to take a, a plane like that and land it. Yeah. Yeah. I think at face value, you think fighter pilot, you think top gun, and you think that it's just a bunch of men and women who fly airplanes. Uh, And that's probably what I thought it was too, when I was flying them, I didn't think too much about it, but 
to be able to fly airplanes very well, what the Air Force did very cleverly is create a, a cognitive model that allowed us to do that. And the cognitive model is specifically designed to process information at speed, uh, to deconstruct decision-making into lots of small decisions that can be changed rapidly. Uh, so you can adapt to the, to the environment around you rather than react. And importantly, to understand that due to the complexity of the environment and the, the fact that you're always at the edge of the envelope uh, as a human being, mentally and physically, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, and the best way to survive and grow is to acknowledge that, acknowledge that mistakes are just part of life. Uh, but to come together as a as a as a peer group to try and learn as much as we possibly can from each and every one of those. And some mistakes are really big ones. Most are very small. And the more we focus on fixing the small ones, the less we have of the big ones. So in that story specifically, it was kind of unique because uh, that story is me uh, the day I achieved a 16-year life dream. Um, so when I was five, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. In fact, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, but I think what it was was I manifested the reality of becoming a fighter pilot one day. Um, and the day that I went solo and in a, a Hornet, which was the F-18 Hornet, the aircraft I flew, when you're training, uh, there's two seats and there's an instructor pilot behind you. So the first time you go solo is also the first time you ever fly a machine all by yourself, where there's only literally one seat, a genuine fighter. So it's pretty exciting uh, to, to do this. And the day that I went solo, uh, I was in Australia, we're on the East Coast, and there's in, in wintertime, there's a lot of cold fronts that come up from Antarctica, biting wind, lots of rain. Uh, so during these periods, flying can be a bit marginal. So there was a, a gap in the weather. Me and a few of the other pilots went out to, to take off on the runway. And just as I took off, the weather changed and they decided they were going to close the airfield. So there's me, first solo, bad weather, never flown. You know, we're not cleared, even though we flew in cloud in other airplanes, you've got to get a particular qualification to fly each airplane in the clouds. And I was not qualified to fly a Hornet in cloud. So I got airborne, dodged all the weather and flew my sequence. And, and there was very specific things that we had to do. So the first thing that was amazing was flying around storm clouds on a machine that you could put on its tail and it would fly straight up, point straight at the sky. So that's unique. Uh, and we had to fly a high-level sequence, get down low, then fly a low-level sequence. And the great thing about flying a fighter jet at low level is you get a lot of, there's a lot of thick air, thick air in the engines, add fuel in the afterburner. You get this incredible acceleration. The closest thing would be watching pod races in in uh, Star Wars, the movie. Mm-hmm. So I've gone up there, I've gone down to low level, having a lot of fun. Uh, the cloud's very heavy. I'm underneath the cloud on the limits, throwing sound down over the poor people that are on the main highway driving up and down the Australian East Coast. And then I come around the corner and and in my head, I'm like, I've got to have this much fuel to land. But that was based on clear weather. And on the day, it was not great weather. So I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm actually short of fuel because I, I meant to go home earlier. Because when you have bad weather, you have to have enough fuel to maybe hold for a little while until the clouds clear over the runway. So I turned back to the airfield. Uh, I knew what to do to, to save some gas. 
And I spoke to the uh, op- OPSO, the operations manager who keeps a tab on me, the only fighter pilot flying first solo. Everyone's a bit nervous now because poor old Boo's out there by himself where he probably shouldn't be. Um, and as I came back uh, to, towards the, the the runway, I knew that, okay, I'm below what I should be with fuel. I know that the fuel already has a buffer, so I've got a little bit of gas. And most important thing right now is not to fly into rain, not to fly into a mountain and not to get above the cloud again where I can't get down. So I knew where the area was on my map and I just slowly wound my way uh, down until I found the um, uh, the the approach into the runway, came in and lands. And as I was landing, there was lightning left and right of the wings and rain coming down everywhere. And I managed to taxi home and it was all safe. So, so whilst my heart rate was up, whilst it wasn't an ideal environment and I certainly had a higher level of stress than if it was a beautiful blue day. The fact that up until that day flying a Hornet solo, I'd been trained to fly in bad weather. I flew little proper airplanes, little jets before I got on the big jet. And I was very lucky to have a support network on the ground, on the radio, uh, a familiarity with what we call airmanship, just being a generally competent pilot. And applying that into a new environment, which is a brand new airplane that flies very fast in in bad weather. So the building blocks were all there. I just had to bring the building blocks together differently on, on that particular day. So I had to, I had two options to react and panic or adapt and get the jet on the ground. Well, you were able to get it down because you're still here uh, and you did a masterful job of it. And it's a great story to start it off with, which leads me into this. You know, you mentioned in the book, flex is a label for a way of thinking and a framework for action. You know, as a fighter pilot, the framework is there. And then to take the action, you tell the listeners what flex is and how it would help them, you know, take your lessons as a fighter pilot, because you use this uh, graphic in the book in the parts of the wing and the tail and the fuselage uh, actually kind of make up this kind of flex system. I think if you give them an overview of why you used it and how much more efficient it can kind of make us at getting things done, because everybody out there today has a lot to do. They have less time to do it in and they have to be a lot more efficient at doing it, especially in the business world. No, I agree. And I think what we're seeing now with the announcement that Nike no longer, uh, does annual planning they only plan on a three-month horizon now that's their whole system yeah. Yeah. change is just an indicator of, of the speed of execution right right uh, so flex is short for flawless execution uh it's flex it's flexible it's flex it's like having big muscles uh and what it really is designed is to give you 300 more so 300 more output for the same effort or 300 more time off for the same result uh, so it's your choice you pick it. And Mm -hmm. the reason it does that is because a fighter pilot is trained to be ahead of the airplane. If we're ahead of the airplane, we're flying it, we're putting it in the right direction. It's doing what it's told. The flip side of that is we're hanging onto the tail plane and the airplane's flying us. So if you take that airplane and I'm very, very comfortable with the analogy of that being business, there's times I've run my business where I felt like I'm hostage to it. It's doing, it's driving me. And there's times where I'm ahead of the business and it's doing what I tell it to do. Uh, and that's where we want to be. Now, it's impossible to be there all the time. We, we, we're, we're either ahead, roughly on top of things or behind. We just keep moving up and down. And there's right. a whole bunch of, there's a bunch of factors there. We could be tired. We could be sick. 
we could uh, we could be trying to do too much, which is our human inclination is to always do more than we can, uh, or or we could be in a toxic environment, not around the right people. There's all sorts of things that are vying for our attention. So flawless execution is a, is a way of thinking that allows you to get from behind the business to ahead of the business. But the first thing you need to do is realize where you are. Am I behind or 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 ahead? And if you've never heard of flawless execution, or you've never heard of um, being ahead of your business before, this is the tool you use. So if the airplane is the analogy, in the middle of the airplane is you. And this is based on single seat fighter pilot thinking. So there's just one pilot. Right. When there's one pilot, you basically have to do the job of two people. You have to do the job of flying the airplane and keeping tabs on yourself. So this is single seat pilot operations and mindset. So in the middle of the airplane is, is you. Around the airplane is a bubble. And we call that bubble situational awareness. And, and really, that is fundamental to your success, is being aware of what situation you're in right now. Am I, is, is my, are my cash flows robust? Is my pipeline trending ahead of my uh, sales, trending ahead of my cash flow? Am I running an inversion curve? But it's to really understand exactly where I am relative to where I want to be. And if you think of situational awareness as a bubble, what we're saying is we want big bubbles of situational awareness. Inside the bubble of awareness is calm. Uh, outside the bubble is the rest of the world. And to make good decisions and the decisions you make equal the impact you have on, on your business and on life, you want to make time. We all know that the more time you have to make decisions, the better decisions you make. So, so if we create a big bubble, we create time to make considered thoughtful decisions. No one has that in today's world. We have no bubble. The world is on top of us. We're making reactive decisions and we're trying to consume insane amounts of information that no human was ever engineered to, to consume. Correct. So we have very small bubbles of situational awareness. Mm -hmm. Most of us haven't even heard of that concept before. No one haven't even heard those words. We've heard of self-awareness, EQ, IQ, uh, effective leadership, you know, relationship management, but we've never really thought of viewing the world with respect to the situation I'm in right now, not just generally. So to create the big bubble, we need to have a clear understanding of where we're going. And we call that uh, at Afterburner, our high definition destination. It's, it's clear, it's unambiguous, and it's a reasonably inspiring destination. Uh, would, that be, would that be similar, uh, Boo, to some people refer to it as a three hag, your big, hairy, yeah. audacious goal. But it's, people it's, are saying, hey, have a three-year plan Maybe not a five-year plan. You just mentioned Nike now doing three months, right? But but my point is is that um, we've had other authors on here that have referred to the BHAG, the three HAG, um, and I'm saying that yours is very similar to that, right? In that respect, it's the focus of where you're going within a very short period of time. It is, and if you look at Nike, you know. If you look at, at their vision or their high definition destination, it's to do everything possible to expand human potential. It's got nothing to do with sneakers, nothing to do with t-shirts. They're invested in in and in, in us growing to be what we're meant to be, right? That mm -hmm. is a high definition destination. And that's something everyone can get on board with. That's yeah, I want to be part of that journey. That's do you a real believe calamity. do you believe for a small business person it's an excuse when they say that that's a pretty lofty goal that I've got to get through a lot of stuff, but because my company like Nike has 
millions and millions of dollars behind it to actually do have those huge lofty goals? Or do you believe that no matter where you are in your life journey, that you should have that lofty goal to do that? Because a lot of people will say, hey, boo, I've got to struggle through all this other crap first before I can have that. And I just would love to know what, uh, how do you get that high performance mindset right out of the bag? Well, for starters, I'm a, I'm an advocate of, of not being a high performance mindset. I prefer a concept called deep performance. I think when, when we try and be high performance, there's a big, there's a big piece of high performance that no one considers. Uh, well, there's a few actually one high performance is expensive. Two, high-performance things break. And three, in a high-performance environment, there's normally only one winner. And that doesn't really work inside an organization. Oh, and four, uh, high-performers have an off-season. They have a lot of time off. So so as a business, we can't do that. We we operate, particularly as a small business owner, I, I challenge anyone to have more than two weeks off a year. You're always on, right? Right. Uh, so so you're going to be you're going to be wading through crap anyway all the time. That's a given. That's life. It's just you choose it choose to see it as crap or choose to see it as as challenge um, yeah. but but when you run your own business you know live by the sword die by the sword that's your it's your choice so so to to have to have something that has meaning as your uh north star as your high definition destination is what makes you put up with all of that i mean being a fighter pilot's really hard <laughs> like it's it's time consuming it's hard on your body you're, you're never on top of it. You're always nervous. Like it's, it's a very difficult job, but to, to be one is aspirational. And within all of that, there are moments in time where you experience things that no other human being on the planet is ever going to experience. So it makes it worth it. So, so you can be as audacious as you like. You, and, and this is where we humans aren't very good at connecting today, tomorrow. We, we're not good at that. You know, that's why we I'll just do it tomorrow. It means I'll just put it in the bucket of everything else I'm going to do tomorrow. And tomorrow will be tomorrow, 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 tomorrow never comes. So when we say something that's big and audacious, we, and we don't get it today, we start to think it's too hard. We start to think it's too hard. So the thing about a high definition destination is to understand it takes time. It took me 16 years to become a fighter pilot. All right. So it's, forget your three-year strategy. Right. Right. To, uh, to, to expand, you know, I, I acquired Afterburner earlier this year as a business because I fundamentally believe the way fighter pilots think and the way fighter pilots go about their day can change the world, can unlock potential in, in, in people. Am I going to achieve that in three years? I don't know. Am I going to achieve it when I'm 60? I don't know. I'm certainly going to give it a red hot go though. So so for me, I know that that our vision at Afterburner is is one by one change the way people think and and do and right. through that we will remove stress from people's lives we will create the space for productive thought and we'll also help people understand that being distracted and scrolling on your phone and and doing all the things that pull you away from fulfilling your life purpose uh are creating damage and eroding the the neural tissue and the neural pathways in your mind so we, we have a lot of depth to our product but you've got to start somewhere, which is, hey, follow these four steps, create a create a high-definition destination and just follow this, and by default, you'll get there faster. Well, I think for every small business, medium-sized, large business, it's about teams. And you mentioned just a few minutes ago 
that if it hadn't have been for the team on the ground to help you get the plane down, uh, it might have been a lot more challenging because you had some help that day, right? And I think in any good organization, no matter what size, you're building team, no man is an island, you can't do this alone. Um, and in the book, you speak about three major challenges that make it hard to achieve a team's goals. Could you speak about the challenges and how the flex framework could help teams achieve their goals? Well, the first one, and I think during COVID and post-COVID, this one's well-documented, is uh, engagement. So having a group of people engaged in a common goal, right? mm -hmm. that, that's the first thing. And I would, of the hundreds of organizations we work with every year, engagement is the recurring theme when it comes to, hey, we want you to come in here because we want to improve engagement. Um, now, one of the challenges with engagement is as leaders, there are th we lead in business in three ways. We lead people, which is more like a management role. You're you're a boss and this is your team and and this is what they get paid and their bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. So you lead, you lead people, right? You, or you manage them more, more accurately. Uh, then you lead outcomes. And when you start thinking about leading outcomes, that's when you have deliverables. And that's when we create cross-functional teams because it's highly unlikely in today's world to, for any organization to achieve an outcome that you're going to be working with one team. You're going to be working with a diverse group of people, right? So we lead people, we lead outcomes. And then the final one is we, we lead in the moment. And when we say lead in the moment, what we mean is the leader with the most situational awareness at any point uh -huh. during this process takes over and says, hang on, where are we going here? We're, we're disappearing on a tangent. This was, this was our goal. This was the plan. Where are we going? And it might be isn't, okay to go. Boo, isn't that the most important one though? Is the one where you're leading now. I, I, I know this may sound kind of strange, but I've been on this planet almost 70 years and I've owned lots of companies and had lots of teams. And I, I look at my life a little different now from an expectation standpoint or an outcome. I didn't always achieve the outcome the way I envisioned it. Now, I had to be flexible to be able to kind of move that direction because I could say, oh, well, I had a goal to reach, you know, $10 million in sales this year, but I fell short. Maybe I only hit 7.5. Yeah. Right. You know what? You, you get where I'm going with this, right? Yes. So, so that we're not disappointed by the expectation or the outcome. What do you do to help people kind of manage that? Because look, quotas are set all the time. People have expectations put on them. They're doing what they claim is the best they can do. How do you help manage that? Well, you make a great point. And you know, there's numerous great quotes around this, which is unhappiness, depression, sadness, whatever you want. Negative emotion is created in an expectation unmet. Mm -hmm. So one of the things fighter pilots do really, really well is we only fly missions we know we're going to win. We're great at setting expectation. There you go. And uh, and when we go through our methodology, and we'll, we'll come to it later, but we have this concept called the debrief. Often what we do when we reflect on performance is, is compare the two. Do we say, did we try to do something a little bit too ambitious today? 
Uh, and maybe next time we just need to bring the expectation down. That's not to say we have low expectations, not at all. We have right. extremely high expectations right. around right. the things we can control, but we have a realistic viewpoint of the things of the things that we can't. Um, so that's that's really really important. Uh, if you if you look at Daniel Kahneman's work, you know the yep. Nobel Nobel Prize winning psychologist. Mm-hmm. Back back in the seventies, he came up with the concept of the planning fallacy, where where no matter what you plan, it's doomed to fail because as a human being, you're unable to even grasp what's involved when you plan. Right. And and when we plan, we assume it's done. So the the effort spent in planning, our brain perceives that as the effort of execution. So when we come up towards the deadline, it's like, oh, how come everything's not done yet? You know, what's Anne, Bill, what's going on here? Why haven't, oh, I didn't realize we had to do it. And it's like, hang on, but it was in the plan, but I'm waiting for Simon to do his piece for, and all of a sudden it, it, it falls apart. So do you, do you believe based on what you just said at the beginning of the show about Nike, that corporations are now maybe looking at a different, I mean, it's one thing to have a vision and a mission Look, wars are fought based on missions and a vision to win a war. Uh, building a spacecraft that'll go to the moon or that'll go to Mars. I watched that Netflix documentary on all the people at NASA that spent 20 some odd years getting the spacecraft to Mars. You think of all the complexity that has to go into building the teams, the elements and the things to launch that device that got up into space and went to Mars. That's a very long-term kind of concept. They made a lot of mistakes, but I think in business today, are we maybe pushing that envelope for that a little bit too far, or or do you believe that's got to stay there and we continue to reach? Look, I don't think so. I think what's happened now is we've just become a little more homogenized. You know, back in the NASA days, there was you know, tens of aircraft manufacturers. There was lots of innovation going into different fields. And now we're all sort of all sort of consolidated. And mm-hmm. we saw with NASA consolidating it, uh, how the risks started to become uh, outweigh the return and they just stopped building spacecraft anymore. Right. The best thing that's happened is these billionaires have, have entered the space race and, and, and it's, uh, and it's fantastic. If Elon Musk is listening to this program, I could almost guarantee that we could accelerate his journey to Mars if they approach business as uh, uh, using the false execution model. I'm, I'd almost guarantee it. Mm-hmm. But but we are we are born as humans to aspire to great things. I mean, throughout civilizations and empire, if we don't have inspiration, if we don't have a sense of purpose around why we do things uh we're not very good like we don't work well together we get agitated you know idle hand, hands the devil's playground all that stuff right so so i think we need these hugely aspirational goals um you know you look at the neuroscience and the fmri research on this it's just it's just how we're coded as human beings uh, unfortunately we invest a lot of that aspiration into 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 um pursuits such as having a better car or buying more clothes or getting my kids more toys that feels aspirational but what it's designed to do is is designed for us to evolve our village create better work environments have better relationships so we can sustain having well, more you, children 
And you know, you mentioned something about engagement. Most of these companies are hiring you for engagement. I, I go back to some interviews that I did with Stephen Kotler, uh, and everybody out there probably knows him, the guy that did all the uh, studies about being in flow uh, in the Flow Genome Project. And I think when you're a fighter pilot, you're in flow. You're in a different state of consciousness. What I want to say about that is there were five things that were found. And I want to resonate this because I'm going to ask you about overcoming complexity to keep us ahead of the speed of change that will allow the, the team to engage. And this is where this is. CEOs frequently are very, very curious people. That curiosity turns into a purpose. Then they're purpose-driven. After they get that purpose, they then set a, a vision for something. Then after they do that, they set a goal. And then after they do the goals, they set proximal goals, smaller goals. Now, but that doesn't always mean that all the people that are on the team are in the same boat. Uh, and unless you can get those people engaged in the vision and the purpose and the mission and the goals, it's quite challenging. What is it that you do to help overcome the complexity associated with that and the speed of change to engage a team and speak with us about the flex engine and the four steps. So for starters, when it comes to enterprise, we are not programmed to comprehend how enterprise works as a human. We're designed to work at a village level, right? That's the, right. We, 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 we want seven close friends and an right. environment of about 100 to 150 people, yeah? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what we can comprehend. Anything beyond that is we either have alliances or conflict, right? So does this village next to me, does this team in the in the office next to me support me, or are they going to make me look bad? And and if you if you look at the likes of Accenture and you talk to a lot of the consultants there, it's such a big enterprise now that are often competing against themselves, undercutting each other because they work at different levels of the company. So their villages are mixed with the village next door. So that is not great alignment, right? And that is not how to create a deep performing organization. You said something before about how we have vision, mission, goals, goals, proximal goals, strategic priorities, uh, near term, short term. Purpose, purpose. Uh, yeah, I look at all that. So for starters, there's complexity right now. Simplicity is this. There are objectives, what we want, and there are actions, what we do. That's it. Some are big, some are small. And if we just had that plain language inside an organization, we would immediately stop having conversations around, well, is this a priority or is it a Q4 objective or does it align with our 12-month strategy? It's like everyone's confused, right? What you want to be able to say is, oh, that objective lines up with that three-month objective, which lines up with our high-definition destiny. It makes sense. I don't need to explain it. It's just very obvious to me. And we we call that a cascading objective. Mm-hmm. And that creates engagement. If I know what I do today, and you don't need to have purpose, like sit on a mountaintop and kumbaya and, oh my God, what's my life purpose? I think the word that we're looking for in business is purposeful, that that I need to know that my action's purposeful, that it delivers something for someone else. And mm -hmm. that's all we need. That's all we need. We just need to know that our work's appreciated and and it means something to someone. It doesn't need to land a, a man on, or woman on Mars. Um, but that's again how... You know, with HR and 
and strategic thinking uh, at, at the universities and well then and- your then your company afterburner which it's afterburner.com for all my listeners in a in a real sense you're a bit disruptive to many of the things that have come into these companies that maybe have been put in inculcated into the culture and you talk about a six-step mission. I would say what they're program. doing. I would say what they're doing today is disruptive, and what we do is actually introduce simplicity. I think we're well. Opposite. I think it's great. <laughs> However, you want to put it, the reality is you have to kind of get people to shift nomenclature, how they refer to things, all of that, and you have made it very simple. You just said what it was, but you also talked about in the book this six-step mission planning process. Uh, and I did mention the word mission. Uh, when you were in a fighter pilot, you obviously were sent on plenty of missions um, because that's the way the Air Force works. That's the way the military works. Um, can you answer the who, what, when, and why, and why that mission, uh, and then and then actually go on to the brief itself? Because you speak a lot about the brief and the debrief. And those terms and of themselves are in your book, and I'm going to hold it up for everybody. They're actually terms that are usually used in the military. They are. And they're, very, <laughs> they're very important terms and words. And and if you – there's four steps to our flawless execution methodology, right? Uh, plan, brief, execute, debrief. We, we consider those the four things you need to do if you want to get something done, you have to do these four things. If you don't, you, that's how you get, you're 300% more likely to get what you want done if you do this. Okay. And that's, that's the organization of operational effectiveness in New York. It's, it's the amalgamation of 40 studies that show that this fighter pilot facilitated debriefing is 300% uh, better for improving performance. So planning set, planning is the setup. Okay. So planning is the desire. It's the want. It's, it's the th- get excited about right but it's also fictional because it doesn't exist it's it's right. later right. right so so if we start with the mindset that it's fictional uh, but let's create as much clarity as as we can so what can i control? like control the speed of my height i fly and i can look at that dial or that screen until i see a threat now the i dashboard. might not see that i might that's, I, that's I may, the dashboard right yeah that's the dashboard i may see yeah. it i may not i don't know but if i do see it then that's going to, then I'm going to change my plan, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to have a good idea. I'm either going to turn away and go home and say too hard, or I'm going to sneak around and, and go in another way. So there's always, there's always kind of like gates to to our thinking. So planning is creating the, what we say, the perfect plan and then testing it for reality. So it be, okay, how would we run this business if we were a monopoly? And there was no threat, no challenges. How could we do everything within our power as close to perfect as possible? And, and flawless execution is accepting that perfection is not possible. What's the 98% solution? Now let's test it. What if our competitors bring out a new sneaker? What if our competitors come up with a new material that wicks sweat away in, in uh, these new running shoes now that you can only wear once that everyone's starting to break these new records? with? There's always going to be something, right? Right, but rather than rather than react to that, let's adapt to it. Let's let's assume in our planning that one day that's actually going to happen. That something that is out of our control is going to happen, and what are we going to do? Uh, and when that moment comes, that's when we're going to go and intensely focus on our resources to innovate. 
So fighter pilot mindset, think of it like this, missionize your day. So create moments in your time where you absolutely have to be on and moments in your day when you're not. And you can do that in the morning. You can just set three objectives for the day and, and say, these three things I'm going to focus on. And that gets into flow thinking and uh, cr creating those neural pathways to have that hyper-productive outcome because you're hyper-focused. So the six steps of planning are very simple. Set your objective, and that can be the objective for the day, week, the next two weeks, month, quarter, year. Yeah, yeah. But same process, right? doesn't matter. Just, just have bigger objectives. Simple. Um, ask, I'll challenge them what's going to get in the way. All right. And better to do, mm -hmm. do this with everyone else that you need, everyone else that's involved in the process with you. That's mm -hmm. how you drive engagement. Don't tell people what to do. Have them create the plan with you. Right. Uh, and we say that, so identify the threats and opportunities. Uh, from there, this is when reality hits and we say, well, what resources do we have available? And are there enough to achieve this objective and to achieve, uh, to mitigate all of these threats? So we do a bit of a reshuffle there. And normally that's when you say, oops, maybe I'm being too ambitious today. Maybe going to the gym for two hours today is too ambitious based on the fact I've only got an hour. Right. So I'm going to go for 45 minutes, reset my objective, reset my expectation, set an expectation that will be met. Um, step four is when we say what happened yesterday. Uh, what did I learn? And what, what did I say to myself I'm going to do today to fix the problems from yesterday? And then finally, and this is more important with a bunch of people than yourself, is everyone agrees on what their actions are for the day. And don't we don't need 100 actions. All we need is like two or three big actions. So we all agree, right, we understand where everyone's going. Uh, in the Air Force, we call it same way, same day. It doesn't mean we're rigidly flying together like that. We're just all generally headed in the same direction. Uh, and that's good enough, right? And I know if I look over there, my number two is going to generally be there and my number four is going to generally be there and my number three is going to generally be there. Unlike business, which is like, where the hell is everyone? Uh, and what, what are you doing there? Um, <laughs> well, I like the simplicity of the way you put it, uh, Boo. And it, and I think there there's one way, one thing in particular that you talked about in the book that the military uses. But, you know, my good friend, David Allen, who I actually worked with on, his book is called Getting Things Done, but that I literally was one of his first attendees in his workshops, and then we did a uh, audio cassette uh, series together. And you know, you talk about checklists. Now, we all, a lot of us make to-do lists, checklists, whatever they are. And there's been books that have been written about how important checklists are to physicians that actually do surgeries, right? Hey, did we do this? What was step one? What was step two? What was step three? We didn't want to leave anything inside of Boo when we cut him open. So I want to make sure that we, we pulled out all the instruments, right? I'm joking a bit, but yeah. for a, I'm only joking from this standpoint. I have checklists and I will tell you that for me, what allows me to get completed, people have always said, how do you do so many podcasts? How do you prepare for so many? How do you keep all track of it? If I didn't have checklists, I would never get any of this done. If you would speak to the importance and you have various types of checklists and how we can use them to keep focused on our mission, because I can say today without babbling on any further, 
if everybody had a checklist that they were working from, they would see inch by inch, mile by mile, they would actually reach their goal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so checklists were invented in World War II when Boeing built the B-17. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason they were invented is every time they took the thing off, they crashed it because someone put a switch in the wrong position or they forgot what to do, right? Uh, and then they said, you know what? If we follow the switches and we do it this way, this is the way you should do it. And they put it in a checklist. The pilots follow the checklist. And all of a sudden, everything was fine. So I was like, hey, these checklists are a great idea. We're not, we're not blowing up hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of machinery. We're not killing people anymore. And that's got to be a good outcome, right? Um, 49, 49 airmen died every day in training accidents during World War II, yeah? So, so that was the first thing. So that was the creation of the, of the checklist. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an aviation thing. Uh, secondly, to fly a Hornet, you need to learn about 418 to 423 checklist items. And you have to memorize them from one to 423. Uh, <laughs> and, you, and you've got six weeks to do that, right? And you do. Wow. It's wow. they're not they're not random numbers. They they follow a pattern. We call they're called left to right. You start on the left hand side. You go up, down, around to the right. But as a, an Australian fighter pilot, you're expected to know all of that. How to get the airplane started, take off, land, off off by memory. And and the philosophy there is, you shouldn't be wasting brain power doing routine things. You you, you need to be focused on fighting the airplane and surviving and. It's very tactical environment. It's very rapidly changing. So if we're there wondering what does that button do or which switch do I push now or what button do I push or which screen do I need to be on on my on the digital screens in the car? Right. right. That's one second you've just given to the enemy that you can't afford to give them. Because one second as a as a fighter pilot is the difference between their missile hitting you at Mark 5, you before yours hits them. So, 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 so you have to... and. In business, people say, well, I don't I don't work that fast. I've got all this extra time. So my philosophy is great. Well, if you've got more time to waste, go waste it. But why not why not use the things that we use at, at Mark One and give yourself all this extra time to get ahead of your business? If your whole team's thinking this way, you can get the same amount of work done with half the members of the team. Mm-hmm. We've we've worked in organizations where we've pulled head back headcount back by 40% and delivered more. It's taken a few years to get there, but but it works. So, well, and don't so, leave it to memory. What I'm saying is these checklists. 100%. Look, if, 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 look, today, the advancement in technology associated with surgeries, I'm going to just use that again. Uh, there are guys that are wearing um, uh, these goggles now that literally there's somebody else that can see and they can talk to them through the headphones, Right and say, hey, you know, here's this to help them even better navigate the surgery, right? It's happening all over. Guys that are trying to repair airplanes even, they've got these goggles where the guy can see on the other end That's right. what or they're looking at, what they're looking at with virtual reality and send it back to them. And I'm saying that's a checklist in a in a mechanism because you've got another person who's actually on the back end you know, helping you so that you don't forget things, right? Um, I think that's also the benefit to a degree, I'll just say, to AI. Um, I'll put a plug in for it because I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm. Um, You know, these debriefings, so I want you to cover two things here. The importance of the debrief, you talked a little bit about it, but I find as a business person, 
the most important thing I can do after every meeting, whether I'm using Otter AI or whatever I'm doing, is provide the client with the debrief, right? And I use that tool to give me the main salient points to say, this is what we talked about, this is what we agreed on, this is what we're going to do. And it's that simple. Um, you got the great stories in this book. It's well referenced for the reader, by the way, and I'm going to hold the book up and there's two places people can go. They can go to afterburner.com uh, to learn more about this book, or you can go to Boo's personal website, which is C-A-L-L-M-E-B-O-O.com. Those are the two places. Leave the listeners, if you would, um, with how they can apply some of the things that you've articulated in the book and the importance of this debrief. The debrief is is everything. In fact, in February, the revised edition of that book gets published. Uh, it's more engineered towards the uh, more engineered towards the the post digital surge um, post COVID. Uh, but and we moved the debrief chapter to actually the preface. The whole book I'm, opens with debriefing. I'm sure you did because <laughs> uh, because it is the it is the hero. Uh, and there's two elements to debriefing: the way you do it and what you do. And the way you debrief is what we call nameless and rankless or what uh, Ray Dalio calls radical transparency, where you have conversations that are purely focused on fact. And that's why the planning is so important. The more garbage your plan is, the less detailed it is, the less you can debrief because everything becomes an opinion. Um, and some organizations are threatened by this because it does drive accountability. The problem with The problem with accountability without a debrief is everyone gets into the blame game. Accountability with a debrief, the debrief is where everyone decompresses. It's mm -hmm. where we allow ourselves to talk about our mistakes. It's a psychologically safe environment where there's no hiding. And because we debrief regularly, we're debriefing small things. We're not debriefing, well, let's debrief our entire uh, financial year. <gasps> now, I can't even remember, you know, the, mm -hmm. the way the human brain works is we create false memories, you know, the whole police take a witness statement straight away before yeah. we start making things up. So a debrief is how we capture every day in the moment, the, the execution gap, the gap between what you want and what happened. And that's that unmet expectation. And rather than that, to go down a pathway towards misery, the, the expectation unmet life, we turn it around. And, and the most important part of the debrief, and it's a four-step process, what's the objective, what's the result, what's the cause, and what's the action? Uh, so what's the cause of the execution gap? But the thing is, what am I going to do? And when, as a person, when you've made a mistake and you work closely with a peer group and that supportive peer group helps you create what we call a bias to action, you feel much better. In fact, you release dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. We're calling it the, the dose effect. And it's those four hormones and neurochemicals that give you your energy back mm -hmm. that allow you to finish the day on a high that allow you to feel as though actually you know what despite things not going great today at least i've got one thing i can do before bed or first thing in the morning to slowly move the oil tanker of my belief systems around this way so fighter pilot mindset if you think of mindset as our collective beliefs and learnings and our perception about where we should be the fighter pilot mindset basically means, well, you've got control of that. You can get ahead of the airplane, which is your life, and turn it in the direction that you want it to be. 
And there's very few people on earth that have been trained to think that way. And the debrief is really the anchor that allows you to adjust. I think I'll add to that. If really the truth is, and it is to be here now, if that is all we have, and you have checklists and debriefs, no matter what happens tomorrow or no matter what happened yesterday, you can't beat yourself up over something that didn't get accomplished from yesterday because you'll just be playing the woe is me game, woulda, coulda, shoulda. The reality is these checklists and what you just talked about, the debriefs, are a way to keep you fully engaged in the present moment. Okay? And, and I know for a fact that that works because your accomplishment, everybody says, well, I'm looking for a win. Well, you're going to get a win. The win is going to be what you accomplish today. And you can feel good putting your head on your pillow at night saying, I accomplished what I, what I wanted to accomplish today. And I felt good about what I accomplished. So leave the audience with three things that they can take away from the book. Uh, the first is is the, the trick to winning big things is to win small every day. That's 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 important. The second is to understand the difference between a dream and an aspiration and getting things done. You need both, but the fact you want something isn't enough. You might manifest the life that you want. You might have a great sense of purpose, but you got to the wheels have got to spin and get traction each day, and that's 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 what we have as the flawless execution engine. Uh, and the third thing is, and it's becoming a bit of a buzzword now, but I love it because it says so much, is curiosity. The debrief is formalized curiosity. It, it, it allows you to unpack things, to be curious as to why do we do it this way? Why did this happen again? But the way that the brain creates memories and, and the way that we genuinely learn and grow is turning the ideas to action. And that last step in the debrief where we go from an analysis of a cause to delivering an action is, is really the, the, the glue that holds your execution to, to its purpose. And I've never been in an environment since leaving the Air Force that is anywhere near a fighter squadron. A fighter squadron is the epitome of the pinnacle of human performance. It's not high performance because we don't have an off season. It is genuine sustained performance with a group of people that individually and as a team consistently surpass expectations. Well, I can tell people if they want to travel at mock speed and know where they're going and how they're going to get there. And then after, once they get there, measure the accomplishments of what it was that they had achieved to get there, that your afterburner programs, courses, whatever that you're offering, everybody out there is listening, definitely go to afterburner.com and check it out. Um, Boo, you have been a wealth of knowledge. I can see just by the short time we've spent today kind of profiling some of the book. For my listeners, we'll have a link to Amazon. Go out and get on time, on target. And like he said in February, the preface of the book is going to change and it's going to be on this debrief. There's only one thing you take away from this. I would say it would be the check, three things I'm going to say, the checklist, the brief, and the debrief. And if that's all you ever got out of this book and you implemented those resources into your life, 
your life would be simpler. You would have more time for yourself. You'd feel more fulfilled. You'd be happier. He said your endorphins would go up, most definitely. Your oxytocins would go up. And you would be a better husband, a better father, a better employer. And when I say better, you'd be stellar. Hey, it's been a pleasure having you on, Boo. Appreciate you taking the time to speak to my listeners. I hope and pray that everybody out there uh, heard these words and takes it to heart and really makes a change in not only what they do, but how they do it. How so they do it. You're, you're quite welcome. You have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope to see you again on Inside Personal Growth. Thanks very much. Likewise. Take care, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.